Welcome to Just Markets 365. My name is Shay, and today is April 10th, 2019. I hope you all had a wonderful day today. We're going to do a quick market recap and then talk about some of the economic indicators that came out today, the CPI number, the core CPI number, and the real hourly earnings number. We had the Dow Jones Industrial Average that was up six points today, which underperformed the market as a whole due to the underperformance of the industrial sector like Boeing and Dow Chemical. The S&P was up 10 points, up about three-tenths of 1%. The NASDAQ was up 54 points, which is seven-tenths of 1%. You had the Russell 2000, which was up 20 points, which was up 1.3%. And you had Europe, FTSE 100, really flat for the day. DAX was up a half a percent. The CAC 40 was up 25 basis points or 0.25%, uh, two-tenths of 1%. In Asia, we have the Nikkei that was down a half a percent. Shanghai was really flat for the day. The Hang Seng was also flat for the day. So overall, if you're looking at the overall um, Asian uh, markets that were overnight, that were really flat for the day. Now let's talk about how the commodity sector performed today. Oil was up. WTI was up 75 basis points. Brent crude was up 1.4%. You had natural gas was essentially flat. Silver was flat. Gold was up three-tenths of 1% to 1,312 per troy ounce, which means that it has broken through and is still staying above its uh, a, a resistance level or now the support. So looks like there's some fear in the market. Now let's uh, talk about some of the bonds. We have the one-month uh, U.S. Treasury at 2.4%. We have the three-month at 2.42. The two-year Treasury is at 232 and the 10-year is at 2.46, which was down about three basis points. So basically, the curve, the yield curve from the three-year to the 10-year was, give or take, down about three basis points across the board. So what we saw today is the longer maturities, the three up to 10 years, all moved down three basis points, which has to do a lot with, with the economic data, the CPI, the core CPI, the real wages, and the Fed minutes that came out today. So let's get into it. The first two indicators we're going to talk about today are the consumer price index and the core consumer price index, CPI. Now, the CPI is the most popular measure of price inflation, price inflation in retail goods and services. It is a highly sensitive indicator for both the stock market and the bond market. Now, it measures how much a consumer pays for goods and services. Now, the area this affects is everyone from all walks of life, including people who receive Social Security, welfare, and those of you who have been through a divorce, you know that the judge will calculate uh, alimony based on the CPI index. So there's no escaping inflation, right? No escaping inflation. 
Now, you may have heard of another measure, PPI, the Producer Price Index. Now, that is a different measure of, of inflation, and we won't get into it too much today, but I want to tell you what it is. It is also a monthly measure of inflation, but it's solely based on wholesale business prices, right? It does not include most of the services that you require on a daily basis. So that's why it is a different measure. Now, getting back to CPI, remember, it is the measure of your cost of living. Now, I'm not going to get into what cost of living is because it's different for everyone and it gets really muddy. So for today, we'll just get into CPI, what it measures and how it measures and why should you care if you are an investor, right? So every CPI has two numbers that include core CPI and and top-line CPI, right? Top-line CPI includes all items, like some thousands of products, that they have a basket of thousands of products that they price on a regular basis. Core CPI is a measure that excludes food and energy. So you would ask, why does the core CPI exclude food and energy? Because food and energy can be highly volatile. Think about it. In the last few episodes of this podcast, we talked about oil and how volatile it's been, right? Where it was in October, end of the year, and where it's at now. So if you have one number and includes food and oil or energy in this case, right, that number could look very different from month to month, right? So that's why you should always have a measure that excludes food and energy. Now, why food? Well, if there is a... a, a a crop failure, if there's a drought, then yields drop for those farms, right? And then that could drive up prices for the basket of goods. So, right, that's not a real inflation pressure. That's just a a real, you know, price increase that's short-term, right, because of the short-term supply issues, right? So that's why you have to uh, really eliminate those and really look at core CPI here. And that's why we have two different measures. So now let's talk about where the print came in today. So the top line consumer price index CPI for March came in at 0.4%, four tenths of 1%. The consensus estimate was 0.4. So it came in right in line to where everybody thought core inflation for March came in. Remember, this is this excludes food and energy came in at 0.1% or one tenth of 1% or 10 basis points. The expectation was 0.2%, right? So much lower than than expectations. So you've had the core CPI, which is benign, and the CPI, the top line number, was much higher. That was due to short-term price increases in oil and food that caused that number to increase, right? So that's why it's important to look at both data points and compare and contrast to see where things are at. Now, why not just look at core CPI? Because the you still have to get the averages, right? Now, going back to what I've always said for these indicators that are actually really, really important is to always go back and don't look at the single point, look at averages and trends. So, for example, for this print for CPI and core CPI, look at analyzed numbers for three for six, for nine months, right? And see what's going on 
with those analyze numbers and then determine then determine whether if inflation is going up or, or down so what we should we take away from these numbers for the, from these cpi numbers we should take away is that inflation is quite benign 0.1% on core and cpi top line is 0.4 regardless of whichever number you look at and you think about they both are pretty benign right and we saw this we saw this in the bond market right as i mentioned earlier when we were doing the market recap i talked about the fact that the bonds the the in the yield curve right the long end of the yield curve from was it six years um, uh, from three years all the way up dropped three basis points that was due to this reaction right reaction to the cpi indexes because it is benign now if you had a surprise on the upside let's say the cpi came in at 0.5 or 0.7 and core came in at 0.5 then you would have seen the opposite you know you used to see the yields just pop up big time right because inflation would have surprised and bond yields would have popped up and prices of bonds would have come down significantly right so just the opposite happened now it didn't drop too far so bonds uh yields did not decline too much because of it but if it was a much lower number than expected that you you would have seen a much bigger move on the yields to the downside now stock investors they also don't like you know a surprise on these numbers if inflation surprised on the upside if this if these indexes would have surprised on the upside significantly you would have seen the yield on um, the uh the market take a beating because the stock market also doesn't like higher than expected inflation right it also doesn't like that because it hurts but the bottom line it hurts earnings in the short term at least and then you also if you had the other side if you have low, you know lower than expected then it's possible that growth is much lower than expected so right now it's it's is as expected all the numbers are as expected so no surprises here in the cpi the number looks good uh, that's why you see the bond yields where they're at that's why the fed is on pause so the fed is doing the right thing by being on pause uh, and being stimulative still right so good job on the fed so let's get on to real hourly earnings simply put real hourly earnings measures the change in a worker's earnings after adjusting for inflation if the percentage that is reported is positive that means you outpaced inflation your earnings outpaced inflation if it's zero they were at inflation the growth was at inflation if it's negative means that average worker is losing purchasing power meaning you have less money to spend on food clothing gas etc now all this would lead to lower living standards and discontented consumer the stock and the bond market historically have had very limited reaction to this number so today's number was negative 0.3 which was a slight surprise because the last two numbers january and february were positive 0.2 so you had a turnaround almost so of a major almost 5.5 percent right so, so that's why you're seeing this um it being a surprise but the market really hasn't reacted too much to it because it's only one print so 
if this number continues to be negative, then it may tell us something about the economy and it may tell us something about the job market. Now let's summarize what we have learned about the economy last week and this week so far, right? Last week we learned that the manufacturing sector and the non-manufacturing sector both are growing, both are doing well. They're not doing as well as they were maybe mid-2018. They've slowed down a little bit, right? But it hasn't been a major slowdown. They're still growing. The economy is still growing. Inflation now is tamed, basically. It's benign, right? So you don't have a major inflation issue. So the Fed doesn't have an incentive to raise rates because they're not worried about inflation and the economy is slowing down a little bit. So their best case scenario is to stay paused. Now, there's been a lot of reports today about the Fed minutes that some Fed members think that we could raise rates towards the end of the year and others feel that we're going to be a pause for the entire year. Now, either of those are possible, but the high likelihood of us raising rates by the end of this year is unlikely from everything that we know today. The last topic, the budget deficit that was released today for March. There was a budget deficit of $147 billion. That means that the government took in $229 billion in revenue and spent $376 billion. This deficit was lower than the consensus uh, of two over $200 billion. So much better than expected. But for the year to date, the budget deficit is wider by 15%. And so far, we've already spent $691 billion, which means that this year's budget deficit is going to be larger than last year. We're going to spend close to $900 billion, where last year was only about $779 billion for the budget deficit. That did not include any other extra items that were added on later. Well, that's it for today. Tomorrow, we'll do a quick market recap, and then we'll go through the weekly jobless numbers that will come out, and also the producer price index. And then if we get the release of the Uber S1, uh, the prospectus, We'll compare that to the Lyft's uh, uh, perspectives and compare and contrast and see which one's valued where and kind of give you guys more information about that. Until tomorrow, take care. Please rate five stars and subscribe and follow if you found this podcast informative and enjoyed it. Please remember this podcast is for information purposes only and presenters will make every effort to provide accurate information, but assumes no responsibility for accuracy. You should not construe any such information or other materials as legal, tax, investment, financial, or other advice. Past performance is not indicative of future results. Different types of investments involve varying degrees of risk, and there cannot be any assurance that the future performance of any specific investment, investment strategy, or products, or non-investment related content made reference to directly or indirectly in this podcast will be profitable, equal any corresponding indicated historical performance levels, be suitable for your portfolio or individual situation, or prove successful. Due to various factors, including changing market conditions or applicable laws, the content may not, no longer be reflective or current opinions or positions. Moreover, you should not assume that any discussion or information contained in this podcast serves as a receipt 
or as a substitute for personalized investment advice from your advisor. To extent you should have any questions regarding the applicability of any specific issues discussed, you are encouraged to consult with your professional advisor of your choosing.